now it's time for the only show that doesn't care about ratings, Witness Radio, with your host, Ryan Muniak. Welcome to the only show that doesn't care about ratings. Our sole purpose is to save souls, on purpose. Go to witnesstalkradio.org for more episodes and syndication options. Connect with the show on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Periscope, or by calling 513-900-8070. Today, we're starting a three-part series from the Women in Ministry DVD, available at witnesstalkradio.org. This week's speaker is Elaine Muniak, my lovely wife, and she's talking about being the wife of an evangelist. You're listening to Witness Radio. Before I get started, I want to read to you a quote I got from Todd Friel when I asked him about the role his wife played in this ministry. He said, while I might be the face of this ministry, she is the backbone and the hands and the feet. If there is anything good that comes out of this ministry, it's because of my wife. If anyone has ever been saved through our ministry, it is because of my wife. If anyone has ever been convicted or encouraged through our ministry, it is because of my wife. If there are going to be rewards given to us in heaven for service, they will go to my wife. While the world overlooks the quiet contributions of wives who support their husbands, God does not. You know, when my husband approached me about giving this talk, I was really excited. I've been wanting to write a book on this subject for a long time now. This is uncharted territory. There are so many resources out there for us Christian women on things like marriage and parenting, but nothing on evangelism. My hope for this message ultimately is that God would be glorified, but I also hope that we learn a little something as well. I ask that you would take everything I say today and examine it with the Bible because that is our ultimate authority, not some Cincinnati housewife's opinions. I also ask that you would listen openly regarding evangelism and with a willingness to conform to the scriptures if you feel led. I'm not a perfect evangelist's wife. Almost everything I'm going to talk about, I fall short on myself. None of us are perfect in our Christian walk, but it does us no good to ignore these things or act as if there's nothing we can do about them. Let me talk a little bit about my qualifications for giving a message like this. My husband has been involved in evangelism for about seven years now. And he does a variety of things from open-air preaching to handing out tracts to getting into one-to-one conversations and really so much more. Um, And he's had a heart for evangelism pretty much since he's been saved. But it was much easier back then because he dealt with a fear of man. And so a lot of his uh, evangelism was just leaving tracts in random places anonymously. However... (laughs) One day, we set foot in a Christian bookstore, and he saw a flyer for an evangelism boot camp. He went, and when he came back, the fear of man wasn't stopping him anymore, and that's when it became a struggle for me. And if I'm completely honest, it it still is a struggle. What was my problem with my husband's zeal for evangelism and wanting to go out and share his faith? Well, two things. One, I like being a comfortable Christian. I like praising the Lord in my home and at church. I love fellowshipping with other believers. I love reading my Bible. But to go up to a stranger, even a loved one, and share the good news of Jesus Christ is totally out of my comfort zone. It terrifies me. I also deal with jealousy. I'm very demanding of my husband's time. I like to spend every minute I can with him. So when he started wanting to go out on these outreaches, that was taking my time away, I felt, and I was very upset. 
But my husband, being the wonderful problem solver he is, came up with a solution, and that's that I join him. (laughs) Well, I was very torn about this. I had to deal with choosing between dealing with my fear of man or staying at home and continuing to be jealous that his time was going elsewhere. It was an emotional roller coaster uh, for me. Perhaps you feel the same way. Perhaps you're going through the same thing. But we know, ladies, we're not to be led by our emotions, but by Scripture. So let's open up God's Word today, see what it says, and apply it appropriately. And let's start at the beginning. Let's go to Genesis 2, chapter 18, or verse 18, I'm sorry. And this is going to be the main theme of the message, this passage today, starting in verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So we see here right at the very beginning, right at creation, that woman's God-given role was to help her husband. That means that whatever God has called your husband to do, you are to assist him in that. Does that include evangelism? It most certainly does. We also see here that God said it was not good for man to be alone. Now, while this passage is not specifically for evangelist couples, there are principles that we can apply. And we see here, God saw a need for man that only woman could fulfill. But what if you aren't on the same page as your husband? Some of you may be thinking, I just don't feel called to be an evangelist. Well, while not everyone is called to evangelize, or to be an evangelist, everyone is called to evangelize. Jesus said to his disciples in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. I reiterate, if your husband is called to be an evangelist, you are to help him. And if you're disobeying scripture's command to share Christ with others, I just want to encourage you to examine yourselves to see if you're allowing your fear to justify your disobedience. You know, part of being a godly woman is regularly sharing your faith. And often a resistance to evangelism is an issue of fear. I'm not going to sugarcoat things. Evangelism is terrifying. We don't want to look foolish or crazy, but it's not a reason to disobey God's command. What about when our husbands want us to step out of our comfort zones? What about when they're pushing or even shoving us out of our comfort zones. How do we deal with that? Well, again, let's go to the scriptures and see what it says. Please turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 24. It's not a popular passage, but it is a well-known passage. I'm sure all of you ladies have read this quite a few times. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. This is not a gray area. 
It's a very clear command of scripture. And not submitting to our husbands is not submitting to Christ himself. And did the passage say to submit in some things? In the things we're comfortable with? No, it says to submit in everything. But there's a problem with that, the result of the fall. Genesis 3.16 says, To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. In a sermon on the verse I just quoted, John MacArthur expounds on the word desire. He says, It is of Arabic root, meaning to seek control. And he goes on saying, Literally, it could read, you shall seek control over your husband. You will desire to exert your will. That is a sign of the curse. You will desire to take charge, to be in control, to master. I think John MacArthur hit the nail on the head with that one. I know I have trouble submitting. I've gone to the Lord several times in prayer, just committed to being a submissive wife. And then the second that commitment gets tested, unfortunately, I've backtracked. We want control. We want to be our own authority. But ladies, if your husband isn't tempting you to sin, you are to submit to him. This is a hard truth, but it's an important one. And we can see it's biblical. 1 Corinthians 11.3, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. If we resist our spouse's leadership, Are we recognizing the authority God has placed over us in a godly way? He is our spiritual leader. Regardless of how you feel of his ability to lead you, that means he needs to be leading us daily, and that includes in evangelism. We need to yield. We need to let them lead. Now, does that mean we can't share our fears and our concerns? Of course not. I'm not saying that. You should. You should do that. Um, It allows them to know how to approach us more gently. It allows them to know how to be praying for us. But regardless, we still are to submit when they want us to go out. What if you're struggling with a desire to go out witnessing? Well, I'd say there are two great motivations to get you out there sharing your faith. One is a love for God. Ladies, I want you to think for a moment, about what God has done for you. How the sovereign creator of the universe sent his son down to be beaten and crucified on your behalf. That we were filthy revilers of God, and yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why wouldn't we want to share that with others? Why wouldn't we want to proclaim his goodness and his mercy? Why wouldn't we want to share the hope that's in us? To say to people, this offer of forgiveness, it applies to you as well if you repent and put your trust in Jesus. Another thing that should motivate us is a love for others. We in the American church have grown cold and indifferent to the plight of the lost. But let's be real. Those who die in their sins, who have not gotten forgiveness, who have not been made righteous, what is their fate? They're going to go to hell. And not, this isn't like purgatory where the belief is that it's a temporary thing and then eventually you get to heaven. Hell, heaven, it's eternal. Eternity under the wrath of God. Let's let that move our feet. 
Let, let's let that cause us to ignore our fears and what could possibly happen to us. Let's not think about ourselves anymore. Let's think about them. We need to do all that we can for the lost. We need to plead with them. If you have trouble evangelizing, I just want you to know you're not alone. I struggle even now, even now when my husband and I are in the grocery store and he's elbowing me at the checkout line to give the cashier a tract, I still freak out. But, I mean, there's hope. We can't let fear and failure stop us. We need to fight against those struggles going on. And how do we deal with those struggles? I would say in one word, pray. Pray when it's a challenge to submit. Pray for a desire to help your husband. Pray that God would reveal sin in your life in this area and that you would turn from it. And then lastly, pray for a greater appreciation for what God has done and a burden for the lost. If you want to grow in your understanding of God's Word and learn to study the Bible for yourself, join Pastor Andrew Rappaport as he teaches each week from the Word of God. The teaching is free through the Internet, but paid students receive a syllabus for each course with extra study materials. The cost is only $50 per year with special pricing for church groups. And you get to choose from the School of Biblical Hermeneutics or the School of Systematic Theology. Sign up today for Striving for Eternity Academy. Details at strivingforeternity.org. Now, let's talk about preparing to go out. Before we go out, I think we need to be spending time daily in our Bibles. It puts God's truth in us and prepares us to give an answer like 1 Peter 3.15 talks about. And when we are out on the streets, people will question our beliefs. We need to be ready for that. We also need to be spending time daily in prayer, praying for wisdom, humility, boldness, opportunities to share the gospel, people to be receptive of the message that we're proclaiming. These two disciplines are extremely important. I mean, imagine a soldier going to battle ill-equipped and unprepared. It's foolish and it's dangerous. I'm much more prepared now that I'm daily in my Bible reading and in prayer than I ever was before. Now let's talk about being on the front lines. There are so many benefits to others when we go out with our husbands evangelizing. I'm just going to talk about three today. The first one is our husbands. Benefits our husbands. It offers accountability. There are people out there who are so hostile to the gospel that they will do whatever they can to get these men off the streets. And that includes lying, making up stories. I know I've been there. I'm grateful that I was there to be a witness for my husband. That's one way. Another way I found to be accountable with my husband is time management. My husband struggles in this area, so it really helps me being out there to keep him on schedule. So that's just another way that I can hold him accountable while he's out ministering. Another benefit to our husband is it brings him joy for, for you to go out there and be alongside him and serve the Lord. And, you know, that draws you guys closer to God and closer to each other. I know every time I go out with my husband, every time, he always tells me, I'm so glad you came. No matter what capacity I served in, he's just happy I'm there with him, supporting him, standing alongside him, ministering with him. What a blessing it is to hear that that's my husband's heart's desire. But it doesn't just benefit our husbands, it benefits women on the street. Um, ladies, let's be honest, how comfortable are you when a man you don't know approaches you on the street? 
Not very, are you? Us being there helps those ladies get a little bit more comfortable. It helps them bring their guard down and offers a greater opportunity for our husbands to share the gospel. And sometimes these women would rather talk to another woman than a man. So us being there allows the gospel to continue to go forth regardless of the woman's preferences. We don't offer just comfort to these women. We can offer compassion, too. I know often uh, addressing sin in the, in the lives of the lost can, be an emo- can cause an emotional response. And I know, again, men are not comfortable with that. Um, I, my husband's not comfortable when I cry, and I'm the closest one to him. So some strange woman he makes cry on the street, that's really uncomfortable for him. So we can be a shoulder for the ladies to cry on and a buffer for our husbands. So that's another benefit for the ladies. And then it benefits our children being out there. They get to see us living out our faith alongside our spouse. They, it's a great training opportunity for them to see how to live the Christian life. And it's a great opportunity for them to hear the gospel over and over and over again. And Lord willing, God will use that and save them. Now let's talk about sharing your faith biblically. What is biblical evangelism? Again, let's go to the scriptures. Romans 10, 14 through 17. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Biblical evangelism is the proclamation of the gospel to the lost. It's not inviting others to church. Church is for the edification of the saints and for corporate worship. It's not filling needs. That's important, but that's not biblical evangelism. It's not merely living a godly life before others. We must speak the gospel. What is the gospel? 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. The gospel is sharing with the lost what Christ has done. It's as simple as that. How do we share the gospel? My husband and I have learned a lot from the Living Waters ministry about this and just the importance of using God's law, the Ten Commandments, to convict people of their sin. The good news does not make sense until they first understand the bad news. Listen to Romans 7, 7. What, shall, what then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would have not known sin. For I would have not known what it is to covet if the law had, said, had not said, you shall not covet. We need people to understand that they are sinners and what that means. That they face condemnation on judgment day before a holy and righteous God. That's the only way the cross will make sense to them. 
That's the only way they will understand why Jesus had to die. Another important part of sharing your faith on the streets is being able to clearly articulate what one must do to be saved. It's not baptism. It's not living morally. We are saved through repentance and faith. Repentance is a godly sorrow over our sin that causes us to turn from it and run to God. And faith is trusting in what Christ has done on the cross and that he has taken our sin on himself and we have received his righteousness. People must clearly understand what what, what they must do to be saved. And I just want to, as a little side note, say scripture is your friend. It yields with it power and authority that we do not possess in human arguments. Don't shy away from it as much as you can. Use the scriptures. And our words are not the only important part of evangelism, but also our attitude. You need to make sure when you're out there that your conduct is above reproach. You need to be listening to the person you're witnessing to, not just going through your speech and waiting for them to stop so you can continue going through your speech. Dialogue. Make eye contact. Show that they're worth your time and your attention. And speak everything in love, even the hard things. They need to be uh, coated with sugar, I guess you could say. And this is a big one. We need to make sure we're not repaying evil for evil. There are people out there who are not going to respond well to uh, the addressing of their sin and to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to make sure that we respond in the proper way. I know when my husband and I were living in Cleveland, we were out witnessing one time. And I was very, very pregnant at the time. And we were out on the square in downtown. I was handing out tracts. And I gave a gentleman who was sitting there eating his lunch a tract, and he took it, and I thought nothing of it at that point. And then he looked at it really, I mean, half a second, and then scolded me for interrupting his lunch, crumpled up his tract, and threw it on the ground. And I was shocked. I didn't know what to do. So the best thing I thought to do at the time was to pick the tract up, you know, and tell him as nicely as I could to have a nice day. Did I respond the right way? I probably could have responded better in hindsight, but it would have done me no good. It would have done him no good. And it definitely would not have brought glory to God if I had repaid evil for evil and given him the same sort of attitude that he had given me. So some of you may be thinking at this point, but what about when I can't go out with my husband? And I understand that. I have three going on four kids. We're not always able to join our husband's. You know, whether it's weather or illness or some other unknown circumstances, we just can't do it. But it doesn't let us off the hook. We still have an important role to play, even when we can't be on the front lines. You know, many of the reformers were street preachers, and their wives played an important role in the background. Uh, Margaret Knox and Emma Moody had administrative roles in their husband's ministries. Susanna Spurgeon proofread one of Charles Spurgeon's books. She was so... She felt it was so important that she dedicated her whole life to getting it into the hands of the preachers in England at the time. So one of the things that I noticed, though, when I did this research on these ladies was 
the men's response, the husband's. And I consistently saw them highly esteeming their wives' roles. They valued their, the work their wives did. They valued their opinions. It's just amazing to, uh, testimony for what their, their work was. You know, serving behind the scenes is an important role, even if it's not a well-seen role. And we can serve just like the reformer wives did. One way is through prayer. You know, the Bible says pray without ceasing. What better way to apply that verse when our husbands are out than to pray without ceasing for him? To pray for, for him, the other workers that are going out, praying for their, their wisdom and their safety. To pray for the lost, for conviction of sin, and for minimal distractions, because distractions often come up on the streets when you're sharing the gospel. Pray ultimately that God would be glorified and his will would be done in these outreaches. Pray. That's one way to serve. Another way to serve is by being an encourager. Our husbands are going to face persecution when they go out there. They are going to be looked at by Christians and non-Christians as though they're crazy. We need to be a refuge for them. We need to let them know that we admire the work they're doing. That we're so proud to be married to a husband that desires to obey God like that. Build him up. Give him scriptures about the sovereignty and protection of God. Those can be a great encouragement. And let him share when he comes home about his outreaches, whether they were good or bad. I know those have been some wonderful times with my husband sharing with me and just pouring his heart out and um, sharing the burden for the people that he's been ministering to. So that's yet another way. Another way we can serve is by helping them get ready, helping them load up the car, helping them prepare the outreaches, um, contacting churches, getting flyers ready. And one way that I found that I can be a help when I really just don't know what to do is just keep the children occupied so that he can get ready without any distractions. And yet another way that we can serve alongside our husbands but not right alongside our husbands is sharing the gospel at home. Who says it has to just take place on the site? While he's out doing his outreach, invite someone over and share the gospel with them. Go on your social media and share the gospel. Share the gospel with your kids yet again. Now, I'm going to move on and discuss something of a very serious nature that needs to be handled very delicately. Um, There are times when someone can have an unhealthy addiction to evangelism. And I like to call that person an evangelic. What are the signs that your husband might be an evangelic if he's neglecting other Christian duties? If he's evangelizing so much that he is failing to lead the family spiritually, that's dangerous, unhealthy, and it needs to be addressed. Now, how do we address it? Well, let's start by talking about how we don't address it. We don't address it by nagging. We don't address it by criticizing. And we don't address it by trying to dominate. This needs to be a gentle and loving approach. You need to sit down and explain to him that while his desire to share the gospel with the lost is good and important, that you feel that some of the other areas of his Christian walk are being neglected. And if he's repentant, offer to pray with him. What a wonderful time for you guys to spend together with the Lord. But if he doesn't see that this is a problem, I would then encourage you to go and seek biblical counsel from a trusted elder. Someone who you trust to give you biblical counsel. Um, 
And uh, just one final thing before we all leave. I want to give you one more quote. This is from uh, evangelist and author George Alvarado. He does the book Apacity. And he says, My wife is like a pillar that supports my inner character. She helps with evangelistic efforts when she can, but her friendship is the most integral part of my ministry. Being friends with her brings joy to my heart. She also has a measure of faith that I simply forget to display at times. Moreover, part of that friendship means that she is an important moral support. There are so many things that she does for me spiritually and intellectually that I am not even sure she realizes. We work together as a team, and she has an open, open, honest heart that often brings me to my knees. If there is one thing I think every woman can do for their husband, especially if the husband is an evangelist, is to be their best friend. Christianity can be a lonely path to walk on, and being a gospel preacher magnifies that loneliness at times. But a faithful wife whom a man can call his closest friend is truly a price far above rubies. Remember, wives, that your role to play is not an insignificant one. It's important whether you're right beside him evangelizing or in your prayer closet, whether you're out on the streets or in the nursery with the children. You can be involved in some way in assisting in the public proclamation of the gospel. You're listening to Witness Radio. If you enjoyed this episode of Witness Radio, please rate it and share the show with others. Until next time, the fields are ripe for the harvest. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and share the gospel. May God bless you. Witness Radio has been brought to you by the Muniac family.